Hello, 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 it is me, Damien Barr, welcoming you back to our Salon exclusive podcast. I do hope that you get the chance to sit down soon with a book and have all you read to yourself. Now, we have got a brilliant memoir for you. It's a debut as well. And it's the second memoir we've had recently that deals with being a Jehovah's Witness. The first was Kit Duval's memoir, which we unveiled at Salon recently. This book is called The Last Days and it's by Ali Miller and it's a coming of age story about growing up as a Jehovah's Witness in Scotland. It's a faith that we in the mainstream communities know little about or have ideas about and maybe preconceptions about, prejudices about. Ali very much swings open the closet door and shines a light right into the back of it and shows us everything about this community. There is so much to love about this book. It's very lyrical, but that doesn't mean that it's ponderous. That's usually what people say when mean when they say lyrical, they mean, oh, it goes on. But no, it is truly poetic, actually. And it really evokes deep feelings. Ali believes in this imagined end of days and she describes worldly temptations, repressed desires and how this all leaves her with a sense of emptiness which grows and grows. She explains the ironies inherent in living in a world of contradictions where this tightly controlled life can spiral out of control and how attempting to live forever means you never really live. It's already a Scotsman book to watch and I think it's going to do very well. Lily Dunn, who you might remember was on the podcast for her book, Sins of My Father, has said of this book, it sings with the strength and bravery it takes to step away from what has defined you, particularly when those you love follow a different truth. A seedingly honest memoir. I couldn't agree more. It's hugely relatable and very powerful. So here is Ali with a reading from the last days. Hi, I'm Ali Miller and I'm reading to you today from The Last Days. The Last Days is a memoir about life as a Jehovah's Witness. In the book, I bring life inside a deeply cloistered and secretive religion to life for the reader so that they can understand what it's like to have every element of your life controlled and dictated to, and really what that does to your identity and your sense of self, as well as dramatising how difficult it is to leave an organisation like that, particularly when you understand that the cost of leaving will mean that you have to give up everything that you've known up until that point in life. The book is split into three parts. It's split into Genesis, Exodus and Revelation. And I will be reading from Genesis. Genesis is um, the part where I really detail my childhood up until the point at which I become a baptised member of the Jehovah's Witnesses. I lived in fear of the end coming, very much had a very fearful childhood. And in this section that I'm reading, I'm convinced not that the end is imminent, but that it is actually upon me. And then the end will come, 1987. October is full of shadows and mist, as it always is in the countryside. The rain makes long tracks as it drips down the window of the school bus. I try to guess which drip will race to the bottom first, as they get heavier and faster on their way down the glass. 
I want to go to Auntie Lizzie's funeral, but Mummy says I can't. I want to ask her why I can't go, but my tongue cannot make these words into the right shape. So the words don't come. Instead, they stay inside me and make me hot. I lie in bed and look at the glow-in-the-dark stars on my ceiling that don't glow very well anymore and wonder if I'm not allowed to go because it is a pagan funeral in a church or because I'm too little. I tell Mummy I'm sad about Auntie Liz and she says she's only sleeping. We'll see her again in the new system soon. So now I worry about sleeping because I don't want to be dead. I try to keep my eyes open for as long as I can at night, but sleep comes anyway. Just as I am falling into its black darkness, I worry this is how dying feels. I don't want to feel it. Not yet. The next time I say I'm sad about Auntie Liz, Mummy says, She was my sister? Why don't you think about that? The aunties in the Kingdom Hall tell me I am to be big and brave for my mummy. They say I need to look after her and I start trying to learn how to cook the dinner and dry the dishes but when I do cook dinner mummy says I have made more of a mess than anything else. She asks if I know that the cooker has more than one setting when I make very sticky Chinese beef. The day they bury Auntie Liz in the churchyard just next to Granny and Grandpa's church I go to Nina's house. Nina is the daughter of mummy's study. She lives in a house that smells of peat and beeswax and the hard salt of the sea. They use different words in her house. Words like anchovies and olives and capers. And things taste bitter and sour and salty and sweet. And I would never leave there if that were possible. When I tell Mummy Nina is my best friend, she says, She can be your second best friend. You must remember Jehovah, your heavenly father, is your best friend. I don't tell her she's wrong, because you can't play wartime rationing games under an oak kitchen table with Jehovah. I am at Nina's house a lot after Auntie Liz dies. I wish I was there all cosy and warm the day the storm comes. They say it's coming on the radio, but things take a long time to get here. The wind whips its way up from London, where it pulled over trees in Kew Gardens. I leave for school and the wind lifts me for a second off my feet. I think it's Jehovah. I think this is the end. Slates are ripped from the roof and crash to the ground. Everything is too loud and echoes too much. I stand there with the wind pushing me so hard I can't walk forwards or back. It makes me feel small and everything else big. I am too little for the rest of the world. I am too small for the strength of it. Mummy comes running out into the street and the wind steals her words so I can only see the shape her mouth is making. Once she's close to me, she points to the house and takes my hand and we bend our heads and shoulders against the wind and walk back towards the house. All I can think is that this is the voice of Jehovah who lives in the windstorm. He is coming to rescue us, but first the end must come. I don't want the end to come. I like the world and the things in it. I don't want to wake up to empty houses and streets. I don't want roofs ripped off and cars tipped over and pavements split into wide open holes. I don't want to see the earth inside. I don't want to see bodies in the street. I don't want power lines to come down or trees to block the roads. I don't want cars and aeroplanes to stop. 
I know I am a bad little girl because these not-wants are also sinful yearning for the world. Inside the house, Mommy strips my clothes off and tells me to sit next to the heating vents. Hot air blows out at me but doesn't get under my skin to my bones. She brings me a change of clothes and dries my hair and makes me hot chocolate, even though I don't like it. I blow on the surface where the milk is getting a skin already and watch it ripple. The rain hits the window so hard I think it might be trying to come in, like Kathy always was in the book Mummy read me. Zoe and Mummy and I sit on the couch watching the empty street and the things the weather does to it. Granny phones to tell us the power might come down and we should go to her. I think of her coal fire and the way it spits when she heaps wood on it, the warm red and yellow glow of it. I think of the smell of her roast beef fresh from the oven and her Yorkshire puddings with their heavy bottoms always ready to soak up all the gravy and I hope Mummy will say we can go. But I hear her say it's too dangerous to travel. All that long day and the day after the wind howls, the sound stuck in my ears. At bedtime on the second day, I pull the duvet up over my head and burrow down into my bed to try to shut it out. When I wake in the night, my ears are finally empty. I lie in bed with the new silence wrapping itself around me like a ghost might. Something is wrong. Nothing moves. There are no shadows on the wall from the outside. Everything is still. I know this means the end has come. I open my curtains and the street looks just the same, but there are no lights at the windows because all the people in all the houses are dead. The street is empty. I'm pleased the end came with a storm. At least then the bodies are at home. The sky is a thousand different colours of ink, all of them swirling. Dark clouds move fast and I watch as a fat tear lands on the windowsill. I wipe my face dry. I am not allowed to cry about this. By morning, I will need to have a happy face and we will all sing a song of salvation together because Jehovah has saved us. I know now this is why we didn't go to Granny's house. Jehovah was protecting us from seeing their bodies. Angry red sky begins to break near the sea. This is not the colour I would have expected for the first morning of the new system. A car drives down the street and stops two doors down. Our neighbour gets out, goes up his path and into the house. I'm confused. Did Jehovah save him? It would be a surprise if he did, since Zoe says he castrates cats in his shed. Am I wrong? Did Jehovah change his mind? I pull the covers up around me and try to close my eyes. I turn over and over and over so many times, like a dog trying to get comfortable. I try to switch my light on, but it doesn't work. I open my curtains so I can see enough to read. When Mummy finds me, she tells me the storm has passed. I wait for her to tell me about the end. But instead, she says we're going to Granny's house to warm up. This is how I realise that it's not come yet. And we are still in the last days. That was incredible. 
I was totally swept up in her fears of the apocalypse and she portrays it all very vividly. And just that idea that, you know, you're going through life every day thinking about the apocalypse and when it's going to happen and, oh, it's, ooh. anyway, <laughs> it's making me shiver. The book maintains this momentum all the way through, so if you enjoyed this reading, you have got very much the same in store as Ali's story progresses. No spoilers, but you will cry. That was Ali Miller reading exclusively for the Literary Salon from her new book, The Last Days. It is a must, must, must read, and it's published by EBD Books and available now in all good bookshops. Now, Ali is a debut author, so please show her some love by sharing this episode with a friend. It is a really heartfelt book and it often feels like a novel in its pacing, so it's got the best of both worlds. You'll love it. Thank you for listening and join us again soon.